Did the God language in the 12 steps put you off? How have you worked this program of recovery in that case? Welcome to episode 329 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Karen, Carl, Carrie, and Faith. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Karen, Carl, Carrie, and Faith for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with a seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that in this show we represent ourselves rather than any 12-step program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. I'm going to start with a reading. This is from our daily reader, Courage to Change, from April 26th. The most important words many of us hear when we first come to Al-Anon are, Take what you like and leave the rest. Everything about our program is suggested, not required. This gives us the freedom to pick and choose. If we disagree with something, we don't have to use it. If we are not ready to use a step, slogan, or tool, we are free to wait. Many of us need time to come to terms with the spiritual nature of the Al-Anon program. If we were required to believe in a higher power in order to participate in Al-Anon, we might never have continued to attend meetings. Eventually, many of us do come to believe in a higher power because we are free to come to our own understanding in our own time. That way, whatever we learn will have meaning for us. When we take what we like and leave the rest, we give ourselves permission to challenge new ideas, to make decisions for ourselves, and even to change our minds. The reminder from the reading, Because I am able to use whatever I find helpful and leave the rest, I can benefit from the experience, strength, and hope of others and still follow my own heart. I have to say that reading was really important to me and echoes my experience, but first, Let's hear from you. Sharon called and left us a voicemail on this topic. Hi, Spencer and everyone at the Recovery Show. This is Sharon calling from Sydney, Australia. I wanted to take the opportunity to talk to you as someone who is an atheist slash agnostic slash non-traditional spirituality person. I was four years up in the program and say how I got to be comfortable with all the God and firepower words that are all over the place. And it's quite a process, but bear with me. I also strangely worked the steps in a program while doing some outside help, looking at the Breaking Free workbook by Pia Melody, focusing on codependence. So the process for me was looking at the concept of God, and if I don't believe in God, what is it that I put first? What is it that I put as my main priority? Is it a person? Or for me, it was the concept of fear, which I put first. Also, the concept of what is not God. And for me, the concept that I'm not God was quite useful. And then when I was looking at the steps, working out what I was comfortable with, what could be the beginning of the process, me around what my version of a higher power or God might look like. And I started by using language that I was comfortable with, like the concept of the universe is something that worked for me. And when I looked at it and I looked at how much fear played a part in my life, I thought about what the opposite of that might be. And for me, I decided that that was love. So when the word higher power comes up, I put in the word universe, and when the word God comes up, I put in the word love. And that means that for me, who's a little bit phobic around religion and mainstream religion, I had an opportunity to access some of the spiritual parts of the program. And when there are questions like, what would God look like in this situation? I can ask myself, what would love look like in this situation? Or how can I bring love into this? Or how how can I center love? And I've, I've got so much out of that without accessing any mainstream religion and still feeling slightly uncomfortable about, about the capital G word everywhere. I'm really looking forward to hearing other people share about their experiences as well. Thanks a lot, Spencer. Bye. 
Thank you, Sharon. Gina shares, Hi, Spencer. Thank you so much for service. I thought our daily reader and adult children of alcoholics slash dysfunctional families might be worth a read on your upcoming episode about non-traditional higher powers. I clung onto this good orderly direction concept when I first came to program. That acronym especially helps me with my day-to-day issues with misplaced anger resentment when it comes out in frustration towards small stuff like other drivers or long lines doing errands. My higher power changes depending on the situation and what I feel I need in the moment. I have turned to the concept of choosing love over fear or choosing joy over worry as my higher power. I often use perspective as my higher power, considering this too shall pass and power in the pause. With these, I give myself permission to look at what I'm struggling with from a distance, as if it is one week later, one year later, or even as if I was a different person, and see if what I am struggling with is really right-sized and if my higher power, perspective slash joy slash love, can show me a different way to think or behave in that moment. I know it's a common one, but turning to the program itself as my higher power is a huge tool. I think through problems and difficult experiences through steps one to three to help process my feelings or a situation. I don't know what to do if I try to use the traditions and concepts to try to move forward as well. Some things I thought of this month, the fourth month. Maybe I'm really consumed with someone else's behavior and I don't think what they are doing is healthy or the best choice. My higher power in that moment is program tradition four. Each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting another group or Al-Anon or AA as a whole. I need to practice detachment and give someone else the dignity to make their own decision and learn from it. That's what I learned from allowing tradition four to be my higher power at any given moment. Another example I noticed this month. I wasn't doing as much service during the online Zoom boom and feeling resentful towards someone else's choices and realized how judgmental I was being. I reflected that maybe I was not showing up and taking responsibility in my own life. Then I remember concept four. Participation is the key to harmony. I can use my voice in a group conscience meeting. I can trust that everyone is doing their best with the tools they have at the time, and I wasn't able to participate before. They were, and I can live and let live. Participating and letting go can bring me peace and harmony, as it says in Concept 4. These are some ways I use the program itself to be my higher power. Gina. And Gina includes this reading from the Adult Children of Alcoholics Meditation of the Day, April 14th, Higher Power. Quotes, Many of us are uncomfortable with the word God and can recoil at the words mentioned. These members often find relief in the thought that G-O-D could stand for good orderly direction. From the Big Red Book, page 78. Many of us were harmed as children in the name of religion and God. Perhaps we grew up with teachings that showed us a punishing God, or in a home where there was no tolerance for other beliefs. We still may not recognize the depth of the damage done to us by the shame and emotional abuse we experienced in the name of God. When we found ACA, we may have had trouble with the use of the word God in the steps. Then when others talked about their belief in God and mentioned their religion, it was a huge button that kept getting pushed. If we stopped attending meetings because of this, we rejected a program meant for people of all belief systems, whether they call their higher power God or not. If we stay, we can do a number of things. During a share, we can affirm our own belief by saying, this program works for me because it's spiritual, not religious. Or when someone says God, we can think of it as the acronym for good orally direction. Either of these choices or a number of others can help us find a way to take what we like and leave the rest. On this day, I will not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because some people believe in a higher power that makes me uncomfortable does not mean the program isn't right for me. And again, that's from page 109 in the Adult Children of Alcoholics and Dysfunctional Families Daily Reader. Thanks, Gina, for your share. And for that reading, which, wow, really echoes the one that I opened with, doesn't it? Ashley left us a voicemail. Hello, Spencer and Recovery Show co-hosts. My name is Ashley from Alberta, Canada. Spencer had requested listener input on their experiences having entered into Al-Anon as agnostic or atheist. I would consider myself in those categories and wanted to share my experience in finding spirituality through Al-Anon. I entered Al-Anon around five years ago. It took me about three years, three and a half years to get through the first step because I had had zero 
experience with spirituality before coming into Al-Anon. So there was a, a large learning curve for me. I also had a lot of perceptions attached to a lot of the God words, and it it was hard for me to overcome. I spoke with a newcomer to the program right around my three-year mark. She had entered the program a few years after me, and she had also been struggling with the same things as I had. And one day I noticed that her struggle had changed and it wasn't so much of a struggle anymore. And I wanted to see what had changed for her and see if I could learn anything. And and so I asked her and her answer was, Ashley, I've learned that it just doesn't matter. And I didn't quite understand what this meant uh, initially. It confused me and it took me a while to understand what it just doesn't matter meant for me. And what I've come to understand is the perceptions and expectations and resentments that I had attached to certain words. So metaphorically, the way I like to think of myself is it's like I am a blind person and someone is trying to describe to me what a sunset looks like. And they're going to use words like blue, purple, orange, red, yellow, pink, all of which mean nothing to me. They're just words. They're imperfect words that we have created to imperfectly try to describe something in our world. But being that I cannot see colors, that I'm blind to them, it helps me with no kind of concept. And and I found that a lot of the religion words were like that for me. They didn't bring up things that they would in other people, perhaps. However, with the colors... In our world, we have so many different words for the same thing. When the individual is trying to describe the sunset to me and they use yellow, well, we have so many different yellows. We have buttercup yellow, banana yellow, mustard yellow, all of which describe the same basic thing, just in varying degrees and intensities and, and tones. Different languages have different words. So you could say zun. You could say amarillo, you could say yellow. It all means the same thing. They're all just words that the human beings have created to imperfectly try to make sense of certain aspects in their world and in their lives. But yellow can't describe all the yellows there are in the world. And even these little labels we attach to them, they'll never ever be able to describe every tone that exists out there. Because we just can't. But as a human beings, we want to try and control that so that we feel like we understand. And and I've come to understand that it doesn't matter, that I never will fully, and that's okay. And that today, my favorite color might be mustard yellow, and tomorrow it might be buttercup yellow. And it just doesn't matter. I, I know I attach a lot of labels. I learned that these labels... God, religion, I had a lot of judgment and perception and resentment attached to those words. So those were my problems that I didn't even know I had that I had to deal with. And these perceptions and judgments were holding me back from my recovery. And when I finally understood that they're words and it just doesn't matter, I was able to finally start moving forward and find serenity and a sense of spirituality. For me, every day I use a different word. Some days God pops out. Some days it's love. Some days it's the program or my group. Or some days it's just light and presence. It's very different every day for me and I, I need that fluidity and I, I crave it and I, I need it because every day I'm a different person. I find in Al-Anon that our traditions, a few of them kind of speak to me in this regard. Example being for number three, when it speaks of our groups having no other affiliation besides being friends and loved ones of alcoholics. When I can come into the rooms of Al-Anon and be just Ashley and leave behind all my labels, leave behind a mom, leave behind a daughter, leave behind wife, leave behind employee, and so on and so forth, I 
I can leave behind all the perceptions that are attached with those labels too. It peels away all these layers and all these walls I have built up attached to these labels and the true Ashley is able to be there. So I apply this directly to my spirituality as well. When I remove the labels, I feel I can get closer to the true essence of it. Tradition 10 also to me speaks on this in that it talks of having no opinion on outside matters, hence our name ought never be drawn into public controversy. When I attach a judgment to a word that is in the program that rubs me the wrong way. When I attach this judgment to it, I am drawing myself into an opinion on an outside issue and perhaps being drawn into controversy. But I know for a fact that I'm hindering myself. When our traditions speak of that and I can apply them in that regard in my life, I grow, I change, I become a better person and and going back to the blind metaphor, I may not be able to see and put words to the sunset that will describe it, but I can feel it. I can feel that the temperature is changing. I can feel that the world is getting quieter. There's moisture developing in the air, and I can feel the changes. And the same goes with my spirituality. I don't find any one word works to describe it, but I can feel that when I let go of things and admit that it just doesn't matter what I call it, I can get closer. I can find my spirituality that way. For me, the one word that comes the closest to it, and I've heard this word mentioned by other great spiritual minds that I have listened to, and they all tend to agree from different religious backgrounds that the one word that could closely sum up what we're trying to describe with all these other words is love. That in the core of it all is just love. And so I often use that as my higher power is love. And every day my love is different. My love before the program was different. And my love in five years' time is going to be different. And it grows and it changes and it evolves. And it doesn't have to be what I think it should be. It can hopefully one day be bigger than that. So, yeah, I need the fluidity of not having a label attached to this in order for me to have recovery. Because... It's just what I need. I'm a different person every day, and I don't think any one word can describe what this is, what what I'm experiencing. So thank you for listening, and keep coming back. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley. Amanda shared her experience, strength, and hope. Hi, Spencer. Thank you for your service and incredible gift to the recovery community with this podcast. I wanted to share some thoughts I have around higher power because I was somebody that was really resistant to the word God. I I honestly felt like, you know, I heard about the, the physical allergy to alcohol. I felt like I had a physical allergy to the word God in all of the the literature. I kind of came into Al-Anon and Although I was struggling with that concept, someone was really telling me, you know, it's out of your hands, it's in God's hands. And that actually was so difficult for me to hear when the main person that brought me to Al-Anon was out of the hospital in a really dangerous place. So I felt like I had a lot to get over in terms of that word. Something that has really shaped that how I change and think about higher power is really just like it is a power greater than myself that is not me. You know, at first when I felt like, okay, it's not in my hands, it's in God's hands. And that was so honestly like triggering and frustrating for me at first. But when I started going to the program, trying to focus on focusing on myself, 
unplugging, disconnecting, detaching for just small periods of time, I remember feeling like, okay, now my hands are on the yoga mat or my hands are on the food that I'm preparing. And so my hands are literally not on that situation and my brain is here. Maybe it's not some higher power, but it's definitely just not me that is handling that situation. It was such a simple way to think about it at first, but just the concept of like, it's not my hands, like it's out of my hands because my hands are here on this bike that I'm riding or my hands are here on the book that I am reading. And that situation is being handled by something other than my hands. And that was really the first way I could think of it. And then as time went on, you know, the good orderly direction acronym helped me just hear it and read it in literature. You know, when I'm in a group of people in a meeting, you know, say there's like five to 10 other people in the meeting right there, that power and the collective wisdom in that group is more than me. And the synergy of all of those parts of the Alan on wisdom as a whole is definitely more than me. So then also just turning to program and nature was a huge one for me. No matter what I do, the sun rose every morning. You know, the the seasons changed. This too shall pass. Time goes on. The two things that really helped me think about nature as a higher power is when I'm out in nature and like seeing, for example, like a wave coming in and out, you know, I have no power over the waves flowing in and out of the ocean. And it would be really unmanageable for me to try to stand on the beach trying to keep the waves from coming in. There is just something so much greater than just the one wave coming in. You can say like just the one wave is maybe my problem or my life or, or what's happening in my own perspective, everything I can see. But there's definitely a big power of the whole ocean collectively and all sorts of ocean swells coming in and out that I can't even really see that's connected to that wave and guiding that wave in some way that I really can't even see. Another metaphor, which actually I, I really like is, uh, and I've been no, like right now, I'm actually in, you know, I've been locked down. I haven't left my apartment in weeks because right now it's the coronavirus time, but I do have a little balcony and I'm out here and there are birds and so I've been spending a lot of time looking at the birds I notice you know that birds lift up and they kind of flap their wings a few times and then they soar they really are not trying very hard to fly what's happening I guess is that they're kind of finding that that thermal air current they're connecting to and just sort of letting them they're kind of gliding with the wind and then they'll allow the wind to kind of take them. I don't really think that the birds like flap and try really, really hard and they're like forcing and they know that they're going to go in a straight line towards this thing. Instead, they, I mean, I don't know what they know, but what I see is they get lifted up and then maybe they get glided from left to right and then they land. And what's interesting is when they are still, they're really deliberate in their stillness and they just stand and are yeah, I'm looking at three that were just flying and now are just completely still right now. And I feel like when I am just totally in my codependent, controlling, tight-fisted control of life, sort of like chronic fear and anxiety that I've learned growing up in an alcoholic home, that that's like me as a bird flapping my wings really, really hard and like resisting the wind, trying to go against the current forcing my solution of which way I'm going and just not realizing that there is a higher power that I can plug into that might just guide me and make it a little bit easier and really ultimately take me to where I'm, you know, where I can go and maybe a better place than I would have even thought. So that's sort of one way that I'm trusting in a higher power that is definitely not a traditional God, organized religion, intervening God. I'm just choosing to believe that there is a way I can plug into flow in a way that feels good to me, 
a lot easier than before when I was trying to control everything and just really struggling. Something I've learned in ACOA, Adult Children of Alcoholics, is that there's nothing noble in the struggle. Yeah, that's just that's one of the lines in the, in the unmanageability section and how, you know, I'm struggling so much, but really, if I can just let go and then plug into whatever that higher power current is for me in that moment, then maybe I can actually flow with more ease. Another tool I've heard is to just kind of pretend for a bit. You know, it's actually kind of related to my the first point of just me putting my hands physically on something else allows me to mentally be there as well and then mentally detach from the, the situation that's unmanageable and chaotic. But it's just sort of pretend as if. So if I'm really worried about something and I, I probably don't even realize that my life has become unmanageable at first because for me, the way that my life is unmanageable is if I've become tense, if I'm in halt, if I'm worried, if I'm just really not in sort of the way that I feel like I can be as my true self, as a, as a light, like feeling light and love and, and all that good stuff. So then maybe I'll say, okay, for this one hour while I work on this section of work or on the, for this hour as I go into a meeting, I'm just going to pretend that something else, like a magic Aladdin genie, is going to take care of it for just the hour while I focus on this other thing. Or we're just going to sleep, you know, <laughs> like I'm just going to pretend, okay, I'm going to sleep right now and magically, <laughs> you know, it'll be taken care of. So just entertaining that idea for a small period of time, I've noticed for me, it allows my body to actually relax a bit more. And so, you know, I don't really know, like I've read it and I've been really interested in it, but I don't know exactly how my body chemistry works with being in fight, flight or freeze when adrenaline hormones and stress hormones are, are in my body. I know that like, that clouds my ability to think clearly. And so even if I just truly, as a joke, ironically say, some magic genie will take care of this for me for an hour, it kind of gives my body, my mind, the space and time to relax. Yeah, like literally just physically my body, I can feel more relaxed and I can tell that, you know, maybe I'm not like, tensing my jaw as much or my heart isn't racing as much, like whatever those unmanageable symptoms were. Then when I am more relaxed because my body is more relaxed and isn't on this hypervigilant alert state, I think that actually invites my brain to have a more creative, rational, potentially Al-Anon or program response as opposed to a reaction. Maybe then you could say, oh, higher power brought me this response or just allowing my body to relax, inviting my brain to think more clearly, and I was able to have a more creative solution or just some space and actually something that maybe happens or I get new information in that time that then maybe colors and guides the decision even more. It sounds silly, but yeah, just sort of like acting as if. It actually does really help as somebody who does not believe in an intervening God because I trust that, you know, there is science behind when you exercise and I can feel those endorphins kick in. And when I get a good night's sleep, I really can't think more clearly, but I cannot get a good night's sleep if I'm ruminating and really, really obsessively thinking about some chaotic situation and inviting a lot of stress into my body. So just, uh, yeah, jokingly throwing it to the wind or giving it up to some higher power, just just act as if to allow my body to release that tension so that my brain can think more clearly, truly has helped. I really appreciate this topic, and I, I really don't think that the program is impossible for people who don't believe in, in a traditional God. And, you know, in most of the meetings I've attended, whenever it comes to maybe step two or just like other serious discussions at higher power, there is a lot of creative responses and there's not a lot of people who say, Oh yeah, I grew up with some organized religion that still completely supports the as much as I need and want today. I, I think it's, it's definitely been a shifting concept for me and 
for other people that I've heard and just connecting to nature and trusting that I don't really have to figure everything out and that's okay and kind of lightening up has been a huge help. My higher power in a moment is really just saying, you know what, in this moment I could continue worrying about that, but instead I'm going to go outside and go onto this balcony and look outside and connect to nature instead. And right there, that was guidance and a loving, a loving choice that I could take from remembering that I have a higher power always available to me, as well as uh, I do love yoga. I taught yoga and uh, we always say your breath and your inner store of strength is always with you, no matter how hard or challenging a pose might get you know, on or off the mat, you always have your breath available to you and the ability to be dropped down into a child's pose or a resting moment, reconnect with your inner self, reconnect with your true self, and then you'll be able to continue the practice even more. And I think that that, that concept also really helps me as like my higher power really can be in, in a moment of tension, just like pausing, power in the pause taking three really slow deep breaths, slowing down my heart rate, slowing down my breathing, and uh, I'm able to think more clearly, and I am restored to sanity in that moment. Yeah. Another final thought that I do like is that when the Alan on literature was written a while ago, so it's a little bit dated, especially with like using him and his masculine pronouns and, and words a lot. In ACOA and in CODA, Codependence Anonymous, which is phenomenal, honestly, like every Al-Anon, I think, would really get a lot out of going to one of their meetings. I've also noticed that they use slightly different words than just God. I've, you know, higher power. I've seen guiding force or some sort of like guiding power, something like that was in our daily Coda reading today, which I think though that was definitely more of a welcoming word choice for me than just saying God and his will at the, you know, at my, on my first day. So yeah, thank you so much for this podcast. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you to, to all, all of you who wrote and, and called. So I thought I'd share a little bit of my experience here too. I am one of those people who definitely had problems with the word God in the steps. I would see those steps on the walls at treatment centers when my loved one was in treatment and I would look at those and I would say, that does not work for me. That God thing in particular does not work for me. I think when I came into Al-Anon, I would describe myself as somewhere in the agnostic atheist area. I didn't actively disbelieve in a God, but I didn't believe in a God, which maybe makes me agnostic. I don't know. Does it matter what label I put on myself? One of the things that I know is that the sort of traditional United States cultural view of God did not make sense to me. God as a dispenser of justice, God as a controller of all things, just didn't work for me. I was not about to turn my will and my life over to the, as I saw it, the control of a God that I didn't believe in. At the beginning, definitely the word God was difficult for me. And capitalized him, capitalized thy, all those traditional usages also were were hard for me to accept. Slight digression here, you know, sometimes people say God spelled backwards is dog or dog spelled backwards is God. And right now my dog is not being my higher power. He's a little bit anxious about something. I don't know what, but you may hear him whining in the background a little bit here and there. I didn't like I didn't want to accept the traditional Christian God concept. Didn't work for me. But what I did know, particularly early in the program, that somehow coming to meetings, reading the literature, starting to work the steps, was working for me in my life. I was seeing results in my life. I was less crazy. I was less frantic. I was less in fear all the time. I was sleeping better. I didn't have that queasy feeling in the pit of my stomach so often. So something was working. Some power other than me was working in my life. 
to, as step two says, start to restore me to sanity. I wasn't going to apply the word God to that, but there was something. It was pretty easy for me to see that whether or not there was a God, it wasn't me. That, in particular, my attempts to play God in the lives of the people around me were not productive, were actually generally counterproductive both for me and for the person I was trying to be God for. So if I don't believe in God, why am I trying to be God? I guess maybe if there's no higher power that wants us all to have the best, then somebody's got to do the job, right? So letting go of that job, letting go of that job, letting go of trying to control everybody around me and focusing in on myself helped. Reading the literature, being in meetings, listening to people talk, I started to hear, I started to understand, I started to internalize, I started to use wisdom and guidance that was not mine. And in that very real sense, I was finding the help of a power greater than myself. And I was, although I wouldn't have admitted it, I was turning my life over to the care of a power greater than myself. And at the beginning, as the the ACA reading suggested, that power was the program, it was the people in the program, it was it was hearing what you had to say. And so I took the Al-Anon program and the group the groups as my higher power at the beginning. Maybe that still is true for me. I'm still firmly in the maybe, maybe not camp on any concept of God, whatever that might be. I I realized as I was working in particular steps two and three and reworking them through the years that I don't have to label the higher power that works in my life. I don't have to picture the higher power that works in my life. I don't have to name the higher power that works in my life. Sometimes I use the word God because it's a convenient word. It's short. It's understood. And if some people take that word to mean something that I don't mean it to mean for myself, that's okay because they're taking what they like and leaving the rest, just as I can take what I like and leave the rest. It gets difficult again In step six and seven, how do I ask God to remove my character defects, my shortcomings, if I don't know what God is, if I don't necessarily believe in that thing labeled God, that being? Does it have to be a being? But what I do know is that when I put my troubles, my cares, my shortcomings into the hands of an unnamed and unknowable, and even that language sounds a little religious, doesn't it? Uh, Power greater than myself, I get results. And I'm reminded when we get to, say, step 11, which talks about prayer and meditation, and I'm like, prayer, what is this prayer thing? If there's no God, where, where, where am I praying? I'm reminded of a quote that I heard from Simone Weil, quite some time ago, and I keep coming back to it. The quote says, attention taken to its highest degree is the same thing as prayer. Absolutely unmixed attention is prayer. When I think of prayer and potentially of meditation as focusing myself on whatever concept it is, whatever need it is that I'm praying about, that at least helps me. As my wife likes to say, it's an inside job. I've heard around the rooms people saying, prayer doesn't change the world, prayer changes me. I think that's really what's important for me in this program, is that when I focus my attention, when I take that attention to its highest degree and 
let go of all the other things and focus on the one thing. That can help me. And then, if I can meditate and let go of focusing on anything, then sometimes an answer, you might think, a direction, an idea, guidance will come to me. And whether that's coming to me from the wisdom of the program and everything else I have learned filtered through my subconscious mind, or whether it's coming to me from some God higher power that's external to me, doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter. Those are my thoughts and my difficulty and my acceptance of sometimes the word God and the spiritual nature of this program, which has helped me so much. After a short break, we will continue with our lives in recovery, where we, I, talk about how recovery works in our daily lives and in our meetings. I had a little trouble picking music for this. There's so many songs out there about the traditional Christian God, and I didn't really want to go there, right? Um, The first song that I picked is by Alanis Morissette. It's titled Guardian, and you can listen to all the music on the website at therecovery.show slash 329. It's also a Spotify playlist with some more songs that I looked at and didn't end up selecting for my three. Anyway, a description of this song that I found online. This song reflects how Morissette has changed since giving birth to her child ever. Quote, I think it really shows how the parent-guardian-angel roles are linked, how ultimately a powerful inner parent calls upon spirit to guide her or his choices on the loved one's behalf, whether it is for a child, a friend, or an inner child. This love and this grace is available to everyone. And so here we see higher power channeling God, channeling through, in this case, a mother, or more generally, all of the people in all of the groups in this program that have given me guidance and support and love. A little bit of lyrics here from the chorus. I'll be your keeper for life as your guardian. I'll be your warrior of care, your first warden. I'll be your angel on call. I'll be on demand. The greatest honor of all as your guardian. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery. How have we experienced recovery this week? In a couple of meetings that I guess went in a direction that I wasn't expecting at the beginning of the meeting. You know, I I would come in thinking, oh, okay, this is about this one thing. And it turns out for me, it's maybe about something else. And that's, again, the beauty of the support of a power greater than myself, the guidance of a power greater than myself that I find in meetings. My meeting on Saturday was step one. Okay, step one, usually I'm like, I remember I was powerless when I came in here, et cetera, et cetera. But in this case, what came to me was there's a lot of powerlessness in my life right now. There's a lot of powerlessness in a lot of our lives right now with the COVID pandemic and sheltering in place and and all that fun stuff, not fun stuff that's that's been happening. And I started talking about how, you know, I was really okay with this. This wasn't bothering me. I was I was accepting that I was powerless and that some of the things that I wanted to do, you know, I wasn't able to do them and, and I was finding other ways to be and it really wasn't bothering me. And then as I was talking, I thought about how a couple days before I had gone to Costco and spent $100 on meat for the two of us. That'll last us a while, you know, because, oh, You know, there might be problems in the meat supply chain and we might run out. And maybe that's a symptom of feeling that powerlessness and it coming out a little bit sideways. Like, oh, there's all this stuff I can't control, but I can buy meat. I can buy toilet paper. (sighs) So, yeah, again, higher power bringing me a realization through talking in a meeting. At the Sunday meeting, a member suggested the reading from our Daily Reader, Courage to Change, for that day, April 26th, and it turned out to be the reading that I opened this episode with because I was like, oh, this is perfect for this episode about 
you know, having trouble with the God language and so on, because it's exactly what it's about and taking what you like and leaving the rest and, and finding your own path. So I was going to share on that because, hey, that was my experience, as you just heard. But then some other members shared about how they were using this take what you like and leave the rest concept with people in their lives, especially with the people that they might have labeled as difficult. Again, I realized that, oh, that's true for me too. For example, with my wife, there are parts of her that I like very much, that I love, and there are ways in which she acts that I'm now all about that bother me. And if I apply this concept of taking what I like and leaving the rest to her, we might get along better. And understanding that, yes, there are things I don't like, but they're part of her. If I can stop reacting to them, I'll feel better. And our relationship will feel better because if I react to them, then that causes, you know, her to not feel good or to, to come back at me. And that can escalate. And usually it doesn't because we are both in recovery, but maybe I can even stop it from starting by leaving the rest. Yeah. How about that? Huh? Coming up, I'm planning an episode on boundaries because boundaries seem to be a little bit more on my mind and a little more important in my life right now. When I'm in the house 24-7 with another person, happens to be my wife, we've happened to have been together for 40 years, we still need to set good boundaries with each other. We need to set good boundaries around work. We need to set good boundaries around everything else. You know, I need some quiet time. She needs to give me some quiet time. I need to give her some quiet time. I need to give her some attention because she needs that. I need to have good boundaries around the people outside my house. I need to, you know, be social distancing when I'm out walking the dog or when I'm at the store. And I need to understand that other people may not be as respectful of that boundary as I am and forgive them for it, but also not let them as much as possible intrude on my boundary. And that might mean backing up. It might mean going down a different aisle. It might mean just waiting while somebody is standing in the middle of the aisle, looking at the shelf, trying to decide what to buy, picking it up, putting it down, not noticing, apparently not noticing that I'm waiting patiently for them to get out of the way. A little bit of resentment there, maybe. I can just, you know, take a breath and wait until I can pass by comfortably. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of stuff about boundaries. Uh, so I want to hear your thoughts about boundaries in general, boundaries right now. We welcome your thoughts. Please join our conversation. Leave us a voicemail. Send us an email. You can call and leave a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer a minute and a half at a time. And if you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at therecovery.show. If you want to use your voice, but you want to say something that's longer than a minute and a half or three minutes and you don't want to keep calling back, you can record your sharing in a voice memo on your phone and email it to feedback at therecovery.show. However you call in, we would love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope or your questions about today's topic of it ain't God, the God thing. I don't know. I haven't quite decided what I'm titling the show yet. Or our upcoming topic about boundaries or other topics. Please call, write, and let us know. And our website is therecovery.show, which has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, links to the books that we read from, videos for the music we chose, and so on. I'm also putting together an email list where I will try to share out my ideas for upcoming topics so that you can focus your contributions, your shares. I'm thinking of setting up an occasional Zoom meeting where uh, we could just get together and, and talk 
So if you're interested, send an email to feedback at the recovery.show and ask to be put on the mailing list. This is a mailing list that I'm the only person who can send mail to, so you don't have to worry about a lot of chatter in your email box about your email address being seen by lots of other people because that shouldn't be happening. Let's take another little break before we look at the mailbag. The second musical selection also available on the website is by the Indigo Girls titled I Believe in Love. And this is another song for me that speaks of higher power as love, about us giving love to each other and supporting each other. There's a verse here that spoke to me about the difference between learning recovery and living recovery. There are avenues and supplements and books stacked on the shelf, labyrinths of recovery in search of our best self. But most of what will happen now is way out of our hands. So just let it go and see where it lands. A couple lines from the chorus. I still believe, despite our differences, that what we have's enough. And I believe in you, and I believe in love. Got some email and some voicemail. In the last couple of weeks, I had too much to include in last week's episode, so some of that's coming over to this week. It's the way that happens sometimes. Carl responded to episode 44, which was titled Setting Boundaries Without Controlling. Speaking of boundaries. Good morning, all. Love you guys and gals. My name is Carl, and God, did I need to hear this today. I somehow started with podcast 35 last Thursday, and I'm currently here. I may have to go to current and then back also. I met my fiance when I was 14 on a beach in Connecticut. I'm a Bronx kid. I spent a brief moment in time with her and never saw her again. I would come to find out in 1990 she lived a mile from my boss in Mesa, Arizona, where I later moved. We got divorced within months of each other from our ex-spouses, and I worked about two miles from where she lived. In 2010, my landlord showed her a space in the same complex where I lived. She turned it down. A few months later, a client hurried me out of his place because his beautiful neighbor was on her way home. Yes, you guessed it. I'm a photographer and she's a model. So in 2017, after literally going through hundreds of profiles for models, I contacted her for a photo shoot. Almost instantly, we got along like lifelong friends that had just been apart for a little while and we created beautiful images. She came back for a second shoot and it was then when she realized that I was a little boy that she had met so many years ago. I asked her how she remembered, and she said, You're the same height and just a few pounds heavier now. It took a few seconds, but it came rushing back. We were both in different places with different people, but we became great friends. By the fall of that year, I got out of a very abusive relationship and a few months later started dating someone else. That ended pretty quickly, and at that point I decided to take a break from dating. On April 15th of 2018, I was helping her on a photo shoot, and when it was all over, we sat down and talked about dating each other. She is in the program and had been for years. I had no clue what Al-Anon even was. I went to one meeting with her and figured that I would be okay. She works her steps almost daily, and a lot of the time I had no idea what she was doing, so I would get defensive and stupid. I did not realize that I needed Al-Anon myself, as I was the child of an active parent and abused the hell out of me as a kid. Our relationship ended last Monday because of two cats. She wanted them. I was pretty sure that I had allergies, so instead of pausing and not taking action, I did the three A's backwards, and I left our home and went to my office. She shut down as she should and would not even talk to me. I went searching online and found your show on iTunes, and somehow it took me to episode 35, and that was exactly where I needed to be. I started talking to a therapist and started looking for meetings, but with the COVID crisis, they were all closed. Every podcast that I have done has peeled back a layer to my complex onion. I have no idea what my future holds, but I am getting healthy. If this is truly done, then that is something that I will have to live with. We are starting to email, so I hope and pray that there is hope. The tools that you all are giving me to put in my toolbox is something I wish I had 40 years ago. You are all filling up my cup, and I know that it will overflow to others. Our story isn't over. I don't know what it will look like, and that is okay, as I had to let go of the outcome. I love the music, and when I find one that I think she likes, I send them to her. I'm so grateful to you all, and what you all are doing for me. Much love and respect, Carl. And Carl says he started on episode about 
Step eight, making a list of the people we have harmed. Interesting place to start. Thanks for writing, Carl. Darlene shares her response to episode 327, Fear. Hi, Spencer and team. Thank you so much for providing this podcast. I have only been in recovery for five months, and this show is as valuable in my recovery as face-to-face meetings, especially now in these uncertain times. I appreciated the sharing on fear of success, or more specifically, the fear of not finishing well. This is something I have struggled with my whole life, and it stands in the way of living a full and joyous life. Alanon has given me the awareness, and with that tool, perhaps I can make the first steps to overcome that fear. As Maya Angelou said, when you know better, you do better. Living in gratitude chases away fear. I can actually thank COVID-19 because now I can attend meetings any and every day of the week, even in my pajamas. Before the pandemic, I was only able to attend one meeting a week that was a 45-minute drive away. Thank you for your service work. The wisdom and experience that has been shared by you and your team have been so very helpful. Hailing from the Great White North, Darlene. Stacy left us a voicemail. Hi, Spencer. It's Stacy from Maryland. I just listened to episode 327 on fear. As always, your topics really touch my heart. And in this case, I already was working through some fear with COVID and being at home. But then on April 1st, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so trying to get surgery, which I am fearful of, a double mastectomy, while also dealing with COVID because my local hospital can't even see me or wanted to break the surgery into four parts has been just incredibly stressful. The Al-Anon program has been extremely helpful. Zoom meetings every day at four o'clock have been helpful. Program friends, which I feel like I do have friends now at this point, have been really supportive texting and emailing. And of course, with COVID, no one can come with me to surgery. No one can come to any appointments. So it's been bewildering. But I am really appreciative of your episode. I also really enjoyed your acronym of the false evidence appearing real and the one that ends with a recovery. Thank you. The other part of my Uh, story right now is this tremendous up and down. On the same day that I was diagnosed with cancer, I was offered a job that I've been trying to get for many months. Suddenly, the joy of accepting the job turned into, can I accept the job with a cancer diagnosis? How can I give notice to my current job and also take sick leave to have my surgery? So it's really been so much related to your last episode because I fear authority. I fear sharing bad news. I fear people's reactions, but I summoned up the courage to speak to my new boss and he couldn't have been more supportive, which I was so grateful for. So now I'm taking it one day at a time. My surgery is on Friday the 17th. Probably I will have gotten through it by the time you hear this. But I'm really grateful for your show and for this program because it really is so helpful. And I'll end with an acronym for HOPE, which I've heard described as HANG ON PAIN ENDS. So, so many of the acronyms of the program are helping me through cancer diagnosis and being quarantined with COVID right now. First things first, let go and let God, and of course, the serenity prayer. Thank you for all you do. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling, Stacy, and my, my hopes that your surgery happened and went well and that you are recovering well. Dana writes, I love the show. I've been listening for over two years and recommend it to everyone I speak to who is struggling with a loved one's drinking or using. I'm writing to say thank you for all of the episodes, but in particular the humor I found in episode 327 on fear and how the program can be applied to and helpful with managing fear from the coronavirus, shelter-in-place orders, economic changes, etc. The episode and subject matter were not intended to be funny, but I found myself chuckling at how similar the shared experiences are. I felt as though a camera had been secretly recording my household. 
practicing for retirement, managing Zoom meetings, discussions around 401k, having to taste stroll instead of W-A-L-K in front of the dog, misquoting the Rolling Stones. You can't always get what you want, but you get what you need. Thanks for the much-needed perspective adjustment and giggles. Sincerely, Dana in California. Thank you, Dana. We did have a lot of fun doing that episode. Connie sent us a link to download recordings from the first two Al-Anon Without Borders events, and I noticed that another one happened this past weekend, and, and I guess they may continue to be happening. I don't know exactly where to look to find out. But the recordings from the first two are available. I put the link in the webpage at therecovery.show slash online. If you want to listen to them, if you weren't able to attend, you can head on over there. Michael sent a list of online Al-Anon family groups in the San Francisco Bay Area, mostly in the East Bay, with additional links to meetings in San Francisco, Marin, Los Angeles, and the Al-Anon World Service. Thanks, Michael, for that. All the links that people have sent me, I have added to the recovery.show slash online, turning into quite a resource page, I guess. JJ writes, Hello, Spencer. I found my Al-Anon home group just about a year ago, and it has been such a wonderful discovery for me. I was raised in a Christian home, but had various addictions all around me. Then my youngest brother went into rehab, and Al-Anon meetings were a requirement for Sunday visitation. I was reluctant, but I went and found a home. Now I lead meetings and get involved in going out to rehab facilities to let other families know about the program and what a blessing it has been for me. I always tell folks about the recovery show and how much it has helped me. I'm not much of a reader, but I love podcasts. I listen to various ones for hours each day, but yours is one of my favorites. Thanks so much for your service to me and the entire world. JJ in Tennessee. P.S. I am an off-shift worker and was thinking about trying to start a meeting that fits the schedule of an off-shift worker better, but I don't know how. Do you think this might be a good subject for a show? Can you suggest how to go about starting a new meeting? Thanks, JJ. A couple of things in your email there. I for a while had been invited to give a, an Al-Anon presentation at a local recovery center, and I did that gladly. It was great service, and I guess I'm sort of doing that now for people that I just can't see. I have to visualize that you're you're right behind my computer screen. I just can't see you. I'm talking to you. How to start a meeting? Well, <laughs> I've heard it said by AAs that the only requirement to start a meeting is two AAs with resentment and a coffee pot, but I think you need a little bit more than that. I have not started a meeting myself, but I've had some friends who started one. Basically, they got together and said, we want a meeting with this kind of focus, and we're going to make it happen. I think that's part one, is having a commitment to make it happen. They had to find a place. I think when they first started meeting, they were meeting in members' homes. Obviously, that doesn't work very well right now. You have to get the word out so they would announce it in other meetings. Hey, we're starting this meeting. It's this time. It has this theme. If you're interested, come talk to us. Eventually, somebody found a room in a church and they settled there and have been there for, I don't know, 15 years or so now, I think. Something like that. I don't know exactly what off hours means for you. Does it mean a noon meeting? Does it mean a 9 a.m. weekday meeting? Does it mean a midnight meeting? Obviously, whatever time it is may affect the place that you can have it, although with Zoom these days, you can have it anytime in any place just about. Once you've decided you want to start a meeting, I know there are procedures for getting the meeting officially registered. Uh, I don't know what exactly those are, but I think you can go to the, the Al-Anon web pages. Sorry, I'm not being super helpful here. Somewhere in there, there's going to be procedures. You should have a local Al-Anon district and members who serve that district. One of the service positions in a district is as a group coordinator. You can give meeting information to that person and they can make sure it gets on meeting lists, on a district website, etc. So that is probably both more and less information that you want. But the start is find some like-minded people, make a commitment, choose a time, maybe a place, a Zoom, 
and start meeting. And once you've started meeting, you can do the rest of the steps. You know, tell other people about it. Invite them to come. Register with the World Service. Register with your local district so you can get on their meeting list. And go for it. Marla writes, COVID isolation is shining a light on my husband's alcoholism and my son's mental illness. I can't hide from reality without my job to run to. Powerlessness and guilt have turned into depression that's really starting to lay me out. I looked up meetings to help with both situations. After, quotes missing the first one I was planning on attending last night, I was a wreck all night and into the morning. I needed something desperately, and I found this podcast. It was exactly what I needed to help me start doing some work, get out of bed, and face the day with a little more hope. Thanks for that. Well, thank you, Marla. And find yourself some meetings, find yourself some online meetings, and show up. That, for me, was the best thing I ever did. Rebecca also sent thanks. I'm so grateful for your show. I just started looking for peace and help. I only got two meetings in before the COVID. Just wanted to say, please don't stop your show. It's a lifesaver. Rebecca in California. And I'm not planning to stop, Rebecca. It's one week at a time, one show at a time, but I don't have any plans to stop. The last song that I picked here is by K.D. Lang. The title is Constant Craving. Some words about it online from songfacts.com. In an interview with a Buddhist publication, The Shambhala Sun, Lang, who is a devoted Buddhist, said, Constant craving is about samsara, which, as defined within Buddhism, is a continuous cycle of birth and death while one moves within the six realms of existence. The chorus leaves a lot of room for interpretation. Constant craving has always been. In an interview with NPR in 2017, she explained that the song recently became clear. It's an acquiescence, she said. It's a summation of human desire. It's like, yes, okay, we are all heartbroken. We are all nervous. We're all vulnerable. We're all hopeful. But at the end of the day, constant craving has always been. And it really emotionally just surfaced for me the purpose of that song. Some words from the lyrics. Even though the darkest phase, be it thick or thin, always someone marches brave here beneath my skin. Constant craving has always been. Maybe a great magnet pulls all souls towards truth. Or maybe it is life itself that feeds wisdom to its youth. Constant craving has always been. Thank you for listening and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.